light of infinite. Last week we saw Yosef's karma come quickly. Everything that he reported to his father about his brothers came back to him. He shared how his brothers were eating flesh cut off from a living animal, and his brothers sold him, cutting him off from the family. He told Yaakov how the brothers treated the sons of the handmaids with contempt and called them slaves, and then Yosef himself was sold as a slave. Because he shared with his father that his brothers were acting immorally, Yosef's master's wife cast his eyes upon him, as it's written, and he landed in prison in Egypt for two years. In this week's parasha, the same karma befalls the brothers. They are accused of being spies because they suspected Yosef of telling tales against them. Shimon is placed in prison because they threw Yosef in the pit 22 years prior. And of course, placing the blame on Yosef's stolen cup was meant to bring the brothers to their knees in readiness to become slaves, thereby atoning for placing Yosef in slavery. Barbanel adds to this that even the money that was returned to each brother and the fear it caused them was also meant to atone for their selling Yosef as a slave. As the brothers say to one another, we are being punished on account for our brother, because we looked on at his anguish, yet paid no heed as he pleaded with us. That is why this distress has come upon us. This treatment, measure for measure, midah keneged midah, is connected to the principle, do not judge lest you be judged. And we see this throughout the stories of the 12 brothers and their tribes. But what we also see through Yosef's plan to reunite his family and bring redemption to their father Yaakov is that the world is equally balanced. With one step towards the side of atonement, a person can turn it all around. In life, we always have to balance putting our faith in Hashem with putting in our own efforts. So we see that when Yosef was in jail, he said to the cupbearer, after interpreting his dreams, remember me and mention me. Yosef knew that Hashem was in charge, and when the time came, he would be released. And had he simply said, remember me, it would have sufficed. But by adding, mention me, he was putting too much faith in people and not enough in Hashem. And so his salvation from prison was delayed one year for each request. A tzaddik is expected to be on the highest level, and is dealt with in a very different fashion from the average person. So this isn't to say, if someone else had done the exact same thing, they would receive an extra two years. But it simply stresses that the moment of faithlessness for someone like Yosef had a consequence of dwelling in a difficult space, delaying the redemptive part of the story for a longer period. We have to look for our opportunities to let go of control and trust that all will be for the good. We see in this that the Sitra Akhra, the other side, works very hard to throw us off our course. So to balance this, we must be diligent in strengthening the side of holiness. MCA of the Beastie Boys said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We have to take that stand a step further and strengthen our emunah, faith, especially in the moments where the sitra akhra, the other side, shows us every reason to let go. Strengthening our emunah is done through action, which brings love. Love and heart is what connects us all to each other and each of us to our creator. Just as a romantic relationship can't go stronger without words and actions that demonstrate commitment, without them, the relationship weakens and the people grow detached. So too with our relationship with Hashem, we have to keep the infinite one on our tongues and in our hearts. We see in the temple service that those that feel generous of heart were told to bring sacrifices. Continuing this running theme in the Torah, loving actions based on loving feelings strengthen and deepen those feelings, leading to more loving action in a cycle. We see Yosef kept Hashem on his tongue at all times, so much so that Pharaoh's response starts to incorporate awareness of God in it too. This is done by Yosef brushing aside that it was his own wisdom, asserting that it was the divine prophecy that resonated most as the interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams 
over all the sorcerer's attempts to explain them. We read of Pharaoh that in the morning his spirit was troubled. He sent for and summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's wise men did interpret the dreams, but not in reference to him as a pharaoh, instead as a king, so he was unsatisfied with their interpretations. Rashi explains their interpretations as such. Pharaoh would beget seven daughters and bury seven daughters. It was only Yosef that was able to not only interpret the dreams incorporating every aspect of the dream that Pharaoh had shared, but was able to fill in the parts that Pharaoh had left out and offer practical advice so as to keep Egypt in good standing, thus saving Pharaoh and his kingdom. Yosef saw the seven healthy cows in the dreams as good and the scrawny cows as evil, something that always exists in the world, where the evil scrawny cows consume the healthy cows in a way that sometimes it seems that evil conquers good. But Rab Natan of Breslov explains that Yosef at Sadiq is always able to overcome evil, even if it has been swallowed up by evil. The Lubavitcher Rebbe reminds us that evil is transient, while good always remains intact. The wise men told Pharaoh that Yosef's interpretations didn't make any sense, that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine, because the cows coexisted, so that clearly was not correct. Yosef explained that they would have to put away food during the years of famine, taking advantage of the good days and storing them in the same way one should with good deeds in this world. And in this way, when the bad, the evil would befall them, there was good to fall back on. So too, we should store up our good deeds so the evil that exists will be met by good at the same time. As it says, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioner over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in a reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. This saved not only Pharaoh's kingdom, but Yaakov and Yosef's brothers, whose provisions eventually started to dwindle. As it's written, God has sent me ahead of you to prepare sustenance for you. As Pharaoh praised Yosef's wisdom, Yosef corrected him. Only God will explain Pharaoh's dream. It says in Breshit Rabbah, Yosef gave credit to the one to whom it was due. And as we read further, Yosef kept reiterating the same message to Pharaoh so as to raise his God consciousness, meaning that which God wished to tell Pharaoh, for this matter is truly from God, and God is hastening to do it. Chazal, our sages teach that a wise man is greater than a prophet, and Yosef in his humility related that he had only attained the level of prophecy and not the higher level of wisdom. And with that, we see that he was successful in bringing in the highest level of holiness down to the king of materiality and idolatry when Pharaoh himself responds in kind. Is there then any other man like this with the spirit of God in him? And God told you all this. The way that the dream was interpreted to provide a practical plan to avoid famine is the same way that we have to go about in life in order to be strong enough to not only endure, but to thrive physically, mentally, and spiritually when adversity and famine in its many forms rears its face, taking us away from revealed good and blessing. Just as the lyrics from the Bengals smash single, walk like an Egyptian, go, if they move too quickly, oh, they're falling down like a domino. It's a reminder that we need to pause and be mindful when things are good, knowing that life is full of ups and downs, so to prepare physically and spiritually for the moments when things are difficult. This way we don't fall down like dominoes, which is essentially what would happen during the famine without Yosef's practical interpretation. Yosef's narrative is that of someone who stays faithful in the face of bad. When others would be in despair or fully given up, Yosef rises. He is sold into slavery and he finds himself in jail in Egypt, the lowest point in his life. And from that very low point, he continued to reveal godliness through prophecy. And as the story reveals, in the land of hardships, 
he became his most fruitful. In a similar fashion, we see Yosef's father sees life much in the same way. We read that Yaakov saw that there were provisions in Egypt. To understand the significance of this, we have to jump into the word shever, provision, which in Hebrew means break. But it could also be read as sever, hope. And so the Midrash says Yaakov saw shever, a famine, and saw sever, the plenitude of their harvest. And so while Yaakov saw Shever, he also saw Yosef had descended to Egypt, and in that way he saw Sever, as Yosef would become the ruler that would save them all. At the same time, he foresaw that the Jews would become slaves in Egypt, Shever, but he also foresaw that Jews would be redeemed from there, reaching even greater spiritual levels, Sever. It's the same throughout our lives. Shever is inevitable, and we must also realize that Sever follows, and all will be rectified at the right time. When I was on a plane on the way to my mom's unveiling after a yurtzeit, I opened up Likutei Maran and Rabbi Nachman's lesson that ties into this blew my mind. It was based on Tehillim. In my distress, you relieved me. It's a praise that even during the time of distress itself, Hashem provides the relief. The phrase, it could always be worse, does have truth to it. And the exercise in that mindset or mantra is that by realizing that it's better than it could have been is a way to stay grounded and hopeful, which is essential in the period before it does actually get fully better. Scripture relates a story of King David who composed much of Tehillim, including this verse. When King David fled Avshalom, he descended the mountain of olives, weeping as he went. But as he fled, he composed a psalm, 3-1, a song of David when he fled from Avshalom. The Midrash asks, if he wept, why was he singing? And if he was singing, why was he weeping? And goes on to relate a story of a king who became angry with his son and sent him away. The king sent a messenger to check on his son, and the messenger found the prince weeping and singing and was confused by such behavior and inquired why. The prince replied, I weep because I angered my father and have been separated from him, but I sing because he did not have me executed. Not only did he not kill me, but he sent me to dwell in exile amongst dukes and noblemen. In that vein, the Talmud teaches that even in his fleeing, David rejoiced when he found out that the evil that would befall him was from his own son. Realizing if it had come from a servant, there would be no mercy shown to him. But when he saw it was from Avshalom, he knew there was hope and that even a rebellious son will show some mercy. And so this Tehillim from the heart was sung from a place of relief in the space of distress. I love synchronicity because just as I was finishing writing for this week, I decided to take a quick break and put on Spotify's New Music Friday playlist. And just then, a song I've never heard came on called Grateful by Coda the Friend that I feel resonates with this so much. Grateful, grateful, grateful. Even in a rough patch, I'ma make do. Even when I'm down, I be saying thank you. Even when I'm wild, sad, I can never hate you. Nah, thank you for the setbacks on the way up. Thank you for the stories that they made up. Thank you for my Noah's Ark, that's word to blue. The deep blue sea can't mess with me. I'ma be great when you showing me love. I'ma be great when you throwing me hate. I'ma be great even when I am done. You got another thing coming if you think I'ma break. Being grateful for life and never losing hope, even in the difficult moments, is the way that we could turn them around. The story of Yosef paints a picture of exactly that. Rabbi Nachman says, when we are asked how things are, each of us should say, thank you Hashem, they're going well even when they are difficult. When we stay in such a mindset, the Holy One thinks, this is good, I'll show you what good really is. Dive in deeper at